0: dog media
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network
0: The Offside Rule We get it brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Offside Rule podcast which also doubles up as the first podcast of 2014. Happy New Year girls. Happy New Year from Hayley. Happy New Year everyone from Kate to all our listeners out there. Hope you had a good one. Um, This is what we're going to talk about on our first podcast of 2014 then. Uh, Topic two will be swap shop. We all know that it's the January transfer window and that's open. Business can be in. But instead of doing transfer business, we're doing a swap instead. So instead of buying and selling, you get to just exchange a player or two. Uh, no off switch is topic number three. So a couple of examples of players who struggle to switch off or relax from the beautiful game. And then we'll start this week with the 2013 Hall of Fame. This is for us to put players, clubs, anything to do with football into our very own offside rule podcast 2013 hall of fame so anybody from the world of football it doesn't have to be this country but you have to justify who and why starting with Hayley McQueen we always do Hayley don't we 2014 nothing's gonna change
1: Okay, I have a couple. The first is, I'm going to start with Hope Powell because she's kind of disappeared now having spent 15 years in charge of the England women's national team and I want to make sure that she doesn't disappear. She came on a a programme on Sportswomen at Sky Sports and was chatting away and I think she was a little disappointed that maybe the FA hadn't offered her some other sort of role and maybe with on a board somewhere. We see how the FA is shaking things up and we look at St George's um, Park as well and see how they're looking forward, not just in the women's game, but in the men's game. And this was probably the... The only woman whose name was associated within kind of odds when jobs did come up. But that has gone now. I just want to make sure that this is a woman who's really contributed to the development of uh, women's football. Yes, a bit of a poor showing in the European Championships. But I just want her to be remembered for somebody who really gave her all to the women's game. It didn't end brilliantly, but let's hope that there is a next chapter for Hope Powell and she doesn't just sort of uh, disappear. She's had lots of praise as well from... Other England players, I think we could have put Rachel Yankee in this Hall of Fame as well as yeah. lots of other, uh, other women. She said, I'm not going to shy away from the fact we weren't good at the Euros, but it shouldn't be about using anyone as a scapegoat or blaming anyone. We just weren't good enough. We didn't play well enough. I don't think anyone should overlook Hope's contribution to the game in this country. Women's football in this country has changed so much and Hope has been at the forefront with her battling authority. She said, we need to push the game on further from where it is today.
2: There aren't many people either that you could actually apply the tag pioneer to are there? and I think that really does apply to hope in terms of women's football so
1: that was a great pick. Who's your other? Uh, my other is Steven Gerrard. I think Steven Gerrard who's in the twilight years of his career. You just look at where Liverpool are now. They started the season without Luis Suarez and they're right up there challenging for not just Europe but but I guess you'd have to say, the title as well. And I think when the captain wasn't involved when he was out injured for those few games over the Christmas period, you just saw how much he is loved by everybody when he came back onto the pitch. Yes, he is um, a legend. However, I think Roy Hodgson will be actually kind of Thinking, oh great! He's missed a bit of the season. He's going to be slightly fresher for the summer. He's got three goals and provided six assists for the all-important goals at Liverpool. Do you have a third, or is that two from you? It is Paul Tisdale at Exeter. Mm. I just wanted to give a little nod to him because we don't really mention sort of lower down the leagues, and we do sometimes off, you know, speak about foreign managers and, and things like that. However, Paul Tisdale been at Exeter City in League Two for nearly eight years at the moment. Yes, the mid-table in League Two at the moment, but I think a nod to him because he has spurned the advances of big clubs, which is something that not a lot of other managers would do. There is not a lot of longevity in terms of managers at clubs and loyalty, I guess you'd have to say. But he's the second longest serving manager in the Football League at the moment after Arsene Wenger. And I just think we have to give him a bit of a nod. He works with... um, a really great set up of people at Exeter. And yes, they've never kind of set the league alight. They've just been kind of mid-table and they are climbing up there gradually. But I think he deserves sort of a bit of praise for the fact that he's been loyal to the club and he said it was going to be a long-term plan, and it certainly is.
3: Uh, Kate Borsay. All right, uh, my first one. I've chosen a chairman and a manager, one of the few chairmen and football club owners out there, actually, to have purchased a club for a very small amount of money and sold it on for a large amount of money. The man I'm talking about unfortunately passed away on Christmas Eve. It's Ron Nodes, most famously known for his time at Crystal Palace. He did buy Wimbledon, by the way, and start them. They were in the, in the Southern League at the time that he bought them and launched them on their path towards the Premier League. He bought Crystal Palace in 1981 for £600,000. Really really is best known for his work at Crystal Palace. Took them um, through the leagues, put his trust in Steve Koppel who was a very young manager at that time and really unlike today's days of short term managers and you know short term games um, he really put his trust in Steve Koppel even when the side were struggling. One of their high points uh, was uh, reaching the FA Cup final. They uh, met Manchester United there. Uh, Manchester United endi- uh, ended up uh, winning that on a replay so it came very very close. Um, they um, one promotion to the top league twelve months later. Finished third in uh, the top flight a year after that. Um, he was a staunch advocate as well of the of setting up the Premier League. So he was one of the kind of the sort of founding fathers, I guess, one of those chairman owners um, who uh, very much wanted the Premier League to take place fundamental in its formation. Bought Palace for six hundred thousand pounds in eighty one. As I said, sold it in nineteen ninety eight for almost twenty three million pounds. But yeah, remember. Remembering Ron Nodes in the Hall of Fame. Robbie Rogers. Now, um, I've put Robbie in our Hall of Fame for coming out and telling the world and not being afraid to tell the world uh, about the fact that he's gay quite a young age really still about about 25 I think he um, played for Leeds for a few games didn't didn't have a stellar career here and um, you know he's probably more known for being gay here than than his football it has to be said uh, but he announced he was gay and then immediately uh, immediately retired and that was a sorry story really the fact that he felt that he had to immediately retire after making that announcement he is playing for LA Galaxy now though so he's over uh, back in the US, he's um, American. But yeah, he's going in my hall of fame for being brave, brave enough to um, tell the world who he is and what his sexuality is. Finally, I'm going to put Luis Suarez in our Hall of Fame. Now, there may be some mutual gasps out there for that, but he's in my Hall of Fame because I can't quite believe how he's got away with having the year that he has and what a turnaround in Luis Suarez's career. Let's go back to April when, in a 2 all draw with Chelsea, he decided to chomp on the arm of Branislav Ivanovic, giving himself a 10 match ban. Everyone hated him. No one could see sense. Why was he at Liverpool why was he? Why was he chomping at the bit? Literally, he then topped his Liverpool uh, summer off by announcing that he wanted to leave. Uh, at the end of May, he said that he's going to be seeking an exit from the club. And by all accounts, him, him, and his agent were prospecting him around quite a quite a few of the large major clubs. And they made it known that this 40 million and one pound release clause could be activated by any of the top clubs. Chomps on the arm of a fellow player. He wants away. He comes back on the 25th of September from that 10. Match ban, Um, and since that he scored twenty league goals in fifteen games. He has the best hat trick rate um, of all forty six players to have scored more than one hat trick. So his hat trick rate is unbelievable as well. Um, He became the first player in the Premier League history to score three hat tricks against the same club. That was when he did his hat trick uh, against Norwich in December. He signed a new contract on the twentieth of December, and as I said, now as of the first of January uh, twenty league goals in 15 games what a year for Luis Suarez I'm not sure how he's got away with it but for that fact he goes in my Hall of Fame
2: it certainly has been a turnaround year for him in fact if you look down on my sheet here it says toyed with Luis Suarez I didn't go with Luis Suarez <laughs> and the reason that I didn't go with him is that I think he will be a great contender for the 2014 Offside World Podcast mm-hmm. Hall of Fame um, and I think that because because of the 10 game ban because of the biting incident um, and taking all that into in consideration despite his recent goal hall. I guess we want to see as well how he does for Uruguay in the World Cup and if he has a really good tournament then I would argue maybe 2014 Mm. would be more his year. Uh, So instead, I have gone for a player, a man who we can't really ignore. I don't think the Ballon d'Or will ignore this year either. Um, On the 5th of November, Ronaldo broke the record held for Champions League goals scored in a calendar year with 14 goals. So that's one of the stats for him this year. Um, He also scored a 19th La Liga hat-trick. Um, and one from open player penalty and a direct free kick so he's doing all of them um, he's also he had a 20th direct free kick that he scored um, against Barcelona and um, There's so much that I could say about Ronaldo this year. Uh, The final match of the calendar year saw him head in a goal with a 3-2 away win against Valencia at the end of the year, and that took his goal tally for the entire year. 69 goals in 60 appearances, which is his highest goal tally for a a, a year-end. As well as that, he's the second top scorer in matches played away from home with 72 goals now in total. The only person that's ahead of him is Raul with 87. Um, I mean, he's just been instrumental as well with Portugal getting to the World Cup for the summer he scored eight goals in their qualifying campaign including all four of the team's goals in the two-leg playoff against Sweden which was the crucial match for them to get through and so all in all being Portugal's joint top goal scorer of all time I just don't think we can ignore Ronaldo my next person I'm putting in the Hall of Fame is Roberto Martinez I actually think that Martinez not only did he lead Wigan to the FA Cup um, final in May but, but he also got them relegated yeah, but he won the FA Cup and I don't think anyone at that time, Wigan were 18th. They won the FA Cup. They were still 18th afterwards. So the FA Cup, it doesn't have any bearing on it. They were going to get relegated, but to go and win the FA Cup and and somebody has to get relegated. And I think a side like Wigan uh, in the Premier League was always going to struggle and he kept them there for many years when they nearly got relegated times before. So I actually think that's more case in point to him being included in this. So roll on from Wembley and lifting the trophy. He then goes on to Everton to replaced David Moyes there, who went to Manchester United. And everyone's talking about David Moyes at Manchester United and sort of worrying a little bit for Roberto Martinez, not unduly, but thinking, you know, what did Moyes achieve with very little money at Everton? Is he going to be able to replicate that? And very quickly, Martinez showed his calibre of managerial skills and for the first time became the first ever manager at the club to avoid a defeat in the first six games of the season for Everton. So I think that in the managerial stage, he's the top performer in the Premier League so far this season and they're fighting for a place in Europe better still they could even make Champions League as it stands at the end of the year so if Roberto Martinez pulls that off for a club like Everton David Moyes will be forgotten there I'm going to finish off with my third and final one of putting David Beckham in our 2013 Hall of Fame Uh, he might not be in the New Year's Honours list Tut tut, Buckingham Palace and the Queen, um, but he is going to be in our Hall of Fame because um, not only did he win a fourth different top-flight winners' medal with PSG at the to end his career, which not many players have done that, have they? I mean, the amount of medals that he's won. Um, but announcing his retirement, I think he he really deserves some recognition. So forget the uh, New Year's Honours list, Bex, you're in the Hall of Fame for the Offside Rule Podcast. <laughs>
0: Hi, I'm Phil Thompson and you're listening to the Offside
2: Rule. Uh, We'll move on to swap shop then. Um, I would like you to choose two players. Now, you can actually give them to the same club or you can divide them up if you like. But we'll keep this Premier League because I think there's um, a lot of money at stake. We need clubs to finish higher up the league and avoid relegation or get into Champions League or um, Europa League places to try and get that cash into the club. So who are you going to help out and why? But you have to swap not buy and move. So who would like to go first? OK, the say swap shop is open.
3: So, Johnny Heitinger, he's already uh, touted for a move away from Everton. He's been there for four years. Defender, still 30 years old. So still, you know, one could argue some good fine years ahead of him. Um, Falling out of favour under Martinez. We know he wants to move. He's rejected an offer uh, from West Ham already. He needs... Uh, playing time to get back his place in the Netherlands squad which he lost because he's not been playing enough at the back I'm going to send him to the team in the Premier League with the worst defensive record the worst goals conceded 42 goals is what this team have shipped in so far this season, worst in the league, it's poor old fulham defensive issues at fulham ahoy they're having terrible problems at the back so a little bit of experience a little bit of that dutch warrior-like temperaments in there and that's who i'm going to send to fulham
2: well, I might be compounding Fulham's problems because one of mine is to take a defender away from them. So they've shipped in 42 goals. Take away Hangerland, and maybe they'll ship in oh even more. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Fulham. So before I take Hangerland off Fulham, just tell us who, who you're going to send back. So I'm going to send back to Everton uh,
3: some backup for Romelu Lukaku. I'm going to send Darren Bent or Dimitar Berbatov to Everton. I'm leaning towards Darren Bent. Darren Bent and Fulham have just not got on, have they? In fact, ever since he left Spurs, uh, going to Sunderland and then on to Aston Villa, things just have not happened for Darren Bent. I know he scored in the FA Cup at the weekend, his first goal for Fulham in three months. And that tells you the story of why Um, I'm going to stop Darren Bent's loan move to Fulham and instead uh, loan him out or swap him over to Everton in instead. I think he I think his confidence is shot. I think he needs an arm round the shoulder and for me a manager like Martinez could be very good in building Darren Bent back up to the play. He hasn't just suddenly lost his skill as a
2: striker. He's lost a very important mental part of his game and I think Martinez could well bring that out in him. Okay, well I will finish off by telling you When I've taken Hangaland off Fulham, as all the Fulham fans are like, why, why? Uh, It's because my mission is to help out West Ham. Um, They're injury ridden, aren't they? There's a slight part of me, although very rarely does this happen, that feels a bit sorry for Sam Allardyce. I don't particularly like his style of football, but I do think that he's not responsible for them being languishing in in the Premier League at the moment. I think he's had a real mission on his hands. I mean, he fielded uh, very recently in in the FA Cup and in a, a league match, a back four that Nobody was in position. So I just felt that, you know, in a defensive way, he needs a bit of a hand. So I thought I'll give him Hangerland. We'll send out in replacement for Hangerland. We'll give Fulham Joe Cole. And my next player that I'm going to ship to West Ham is from a club who might not be that bothered about who I'm sending up to them I don't know although I think he's got a lot of potential I think certainly West Ham will benefit from this move more but Jolien Lescott I'm going to send Jolien Lescott from Manchester City to West Ham to help with Hangeland at the back I think they'd be a good pairing and Ravel Morrison is going to go to Manchester City now if you look at Manchester City's midfield they are awash with brilliant players they don't really need Ravel Morrison however what they don't have is that youth and that potential I think coming through um, we always hear about Southampton's youth youth academy and we hear about other teams that are are so brilliant at bringing players forward and Manchester City have really installed a lot of money and commitment to their youth strategy but yet we're still to see any really good youth players come through
3: Take the case of Scott Sinclair, he was bought as a potential youth player but they've not done anything with him. I would be concerned that Ravel Morrison would go to Manchester City and just implode (laughs) he would just go off the rails he would be the new Balotelli if he went to Manchester just as it is.
1: we all need a new Balotelli. <laughs> This is the kid who turned up once to Manchester United training in a Chelsea top. Yeah. That didn't go down well. That spelled the end for him. That is that is a true story. Yeah, truly selfishly, I'm going to help Manchester United. Chelsea, they're going to offload Matter. I think we all know it's going to happen. They're we- not. Get, they said that they would Did you read that? That Jose Mourinho said that they, he'd rather give them to
2: give Matter to Wolves for 50p. Which I said, come on, bring it on. Yeah. Than give him Manchester United. But how else do you ramp up the price of a
3: player than pretend that you're not going to sell him or
2: sell him to Wolves for
3: 50p, which is an do an insult, do really, it isn't
1: it? Though. If he's not playing, it, will, it might not just be up to Josie Mourinho, it'll be up to Matter and his agent. He's clearly not happy at all. Well, maybe they'll be happy because they know they might be able to get a player like. Hernandez or Kagawa in return. Kagawa in particular, he has been a target of Jose Mourinho when he was at Real Madrid, when Kagawa was at uh, Borussia Dortmund, when he was the playmaker there and he thought he was going to be kind of this new star that had come in from South Korea. He's a really, really big fan of him. So I think that could potentially realistically happen, mm-hmm. maybe not realistically, um, is that United could eventually get Leighton Baines. They got Fellaini instead, didn't they? When um, <laughs> Moyes came in, it was, oh God, not him again.
2: <laughs> I think they should have taken Baines over Fellaini,
1: surely. Of course they yeah, should, yeah, have. should have. Oh, jeez. I'd have had Ashley Cole from Chelsea, but I think might not work I'm a big fan of Patrice Evra but I think Leighton Baines would just be something very different and he would have a wonderful season building up to the World Cup and Everton can then have Hernandez again like you mentioned Kate for the kind of backup with Lukaku I think he would actually work there not too far away from where he's you know in the northwest he's he found it hard moving in the first place. He came over with a lot of family. I think homesickness played a bit of a part when he, he joined Manchester United. And I think being not too far away at Everton and actually the type of player that he is fitting into the squad, I think they would get more out of him at Everton and he would get more game time as well. So I think that could be a potential kind of mover shaker. But that's just me being very selfish and thinking Manchester United have matter, have Leighton Baines and there we are done until the summer.
2: Thank you very much, Haley. And one more from UK. So my
3: second swap shop, I'm going for a left back swap shop here. Spurs need back up to Jan Vertonghen. In fact, they don't need back up. They need to move Jan Vertonghen back into central defence because they've got this gaping hole at left back. So Swansea. Now, um, Neil Taylor was their left back um, for uh, their first season in the Premier League. Last season, he broke his ankle, didn't have such a good run of it. In fact, that was only a few weeks into Laudrup's reign there. Um, so Neil Taylor's been ousted somewhat by the fantastic performance of young Ben Davis at left back, who's been sensational for Swansea. I know he'll be moving to I'm sure a bigger club in in the years to come, but there's now no longer potentially a place for Neil Taylor. 24, lots of opportunity for him. A very savvy operator, Welsh guy, very nice indeed. I'm going to send him um, over to Spurs. I think that could be a really savvy move for Spurs. And if Spurs buy him at the right pl- price and he develops into a very good player, they could end up making a lot of money on him.
2: A Welsh player taking him, developing him, making lots of money. <laughs> Gareth Bale. <laughs> What I'm going to do from Spurs back to Swansea is Michael Worm needs a backup keeper. Brad
3: Friedel at Spurs, already been touted with a move, of course, made most of his appearances in the League Cup and in the Europa League. The only Premier League game he did play, he lost him. But otherwise, Spurs have won every game that Brad friedel has been keeper. And I think he's 41 now, very experienced. Uh, I think he'd have a nice time
2: over at Swansea. that's a great move. Like that one. Uh, That's our swap shop. The doors are closed, girls. That's it for 2013. And now we head over for our Twitter topic of the week.
0: Twitter topic of the week. Happy New Year to you all. It's Sean Thorne here. And some people say it's best never to go back. But this week, we've asked you guys who from the game has made a successful return to their former club. Clint Dempsey's just gone back to Fulham. Everyone seems shuffed a to bits with that. But is it going to turn out as well as some of your examples? Lulu shout for a successful return. Flamini, Flamini, Flamini. Sound very happy with Flamini's return. They've also gone for Thierry Henry's brief return to Arsenal. And even Jens Lehmann's return was fun. Paul's also gone for Thierry Henry. Uh, Six Music Chris has gone for Marcelo Trotter. uh, Back at Brentford after what happened last term, but has won most fans around this season. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, Marcelo Trotter, he's the guy who missed the penalty for Brentford in the final minute of the season against Doncaster, which saw them run right up the other end of the field and snatch the league title from under their noses. He wasn't even supposed to take the penalty, so it was a bit of a controversy there. But it seems that he's back he's back at Griffin Park and apparently he's won the fans over. And finally, Sonic has gone for Graham Lasso when he returned to Chelsea. I'll be back next week with Twitter Topic of the Week. I've been Sean Thorne, and I'll hand you back to the girls.
2: Thank you for that, Sean. Uh, Topic three today is no off switch. Do you have an off switch? Did you manage to turn off for Christmas? (laughs) A little bit, but I've just got
3: one of those brains that's like... I just don't really relax very
2: much. She does. She sends me emails at 2am in the morning. So let's talk about off-switches with football and players, or you can think a little bit outside the box with this, anything to do with football where there's no rest, there's no
1: give up, um, it's just too much. So we'll start with Hayley. I have one which is a player who gives and does an awful lot for charity and doesn't just throw a lot of money at charities, but has set up his own foundation. There are many footballers who've done this and not a lot of them get the praise that they deserve. James Milner of Manchester City is having a really good season as well, isn't he? Really important Mm. goals, scoring in that mega game as well, of course, up at the Etihad. And he's scoring goals as well, which is great to see. And he actually scored a goal the day that he had his massive charity dinner Mm. in Manchester that him and his wife worked on. They didn't get a massive events company in to take over the whole thing. They actually worked on it themselves, used contacts to book guests. They had Lawson, who performed for free. They had JLS as well flying in. When I say flying in, the theme was come fly with me. There was a Concorde above all the tables in a hangar at Manchester Airport. It was quite phenomenal. And his, Mm -hmm. his wife, Amy, his partner, Amy, had spent all this time Basically, putting this dinner together, they raised £100,000 on the night alone. That wasn't from ticket sales either. That was just purely from people bidding all his teammates and um, coaching staff all turned up as well to support him. And it was for Help the Heroes, uh, NSPCC, uh, as well as uh, leukemia and lymphoma research. And uh, Stylian Petrov was there as well with his wife and all the family. And um, James got up on stage and did a big talk. And he actually helps these charities out and is in touch with them throughout the year constantly. He goes to the Manchester Children's Hospital and has visits there and works very closely with the NSPCC um, and help the heroes as well. He's built up relationships with former um, people from the army who who are now just trying to live a normal life and are having troubles and having maybe kind of um, psychological issues with some of the awful things that they've gone through and he's personally helped fund and and put money together to give them counselling as well so it really is a huge thing that he's done so his foundation on the flip side there's um, a man who doesn't have an off switch in terms of how he is off the pitch he thinks he's a god on it Zlatan Ibrahimovic and he also (laughs) thinks he's a god off it he doesn't shut up from bigging himself up These are just a few of the quotes from just this year alone from Zlatan Ibrahimović. When quizzed by a female reporter over his sexuality, which is something that we know has been in the press, Zlatan hit back with a no-nonsense reply. Swedish style? No. Yugoslavia style? Of course not. It has to be Zlatan style. (laughs) Yeah, and we know as well, we mentioned this, didn't we, when he was um, up against Portugal for the World Cup and they were saying without me there is nothing to watch in a World Cup so it's not worthwhile to wait for the World Cup yeah, that's how he thinks of himself. Um, what about when he was asked what he was going to get his um, wife for Christmas? Well, nothing. She already has latan. Oh, oh, yes. I would exactly. Not be happy with that. But it, he's just weird. He comes out with some really strange mm. stuff. He just doesn't have an off switch, but it is very entertaining when you do see these quotes, although some of them are a little bit naughty and offensive.
2: Yes. I'm glad we didn't put him in our Hall of Fame. <laughs> Kate, yours. A uh, couple of quick ones from me.
3: Andre Villas-Boas, when he was at Chelsea, he did not switch off. So obsessed with achieving success and under the tutelage of Roman Abramovich, He really wanted to do well for Roman, actually, because Roman Abramovich put an incredible amount of faith in bringing him to Chelsea, putting him in the position
2: there, Um, I completely agree with you. I'm just going to interrupt to say that myself and my uncle had this conversation over Christmas dinner. Mm. Uh, We were talking about football, as it always happens in our household. And we think that AVB makes football too complicated. Mm. He overcomplicates the game. He's got, like, his notepad out for every single... part of the pitch he tries to dissect it's football for goodness sake it's not it's not brain science you know Uh, and nothing sums that up better at Lindsay than when he left Chelsea he was
3: seen spending quite a few hours actually loading up his car full of technical data boxes worth of research he was such a workaholic at Chelsea he he would spend 12 hour days at the training ground and uh, even slept at the training ground in that in that Japanese
2: sleep pod didn't he My no-off switch I'm going to apply to the entire... English football leagues uh, up and down from Premier League down to non-league football and it's because around the world, now some people might agree with this, some people might not but around the world everyone else has a winter break as we know and this this debate comes up time and time again doesn't it so is it time that we had an off switch in the winter and we gave our footballers and football clubs a Christmas and it went in line with all the transfer windows and all the movements that happen elsewhere around the world because at the moment we don't and I'm not saying that I agree that we should necessarily because i really am a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to the way that we run football in this country for many many years however when it comes to an off switch you've got to admit we haven't really got one have we there will be burnout at some point but whether whether we change that or not i don't know um my next one james Beattie because I think he's overworking himself. <laughs> he's player manager and I do I do think it's the time now in 2014 where player managers shouldn't really exist in league football because mm-hmm. it, the, the demands are just too much I think. he's He's gone on, he's had 25 appearances or something like that for Accrington Stanley as well as managing them, as well as trying to appease fans as well. Like recently he paid for fans who'd made an away trip and the game was cancelled and all those sorts of things. He's doing too much, isn't he, James Beattie?
3: He is, but I also love that about him as well, because when you don't have the resource and when you've still got a pair
2: of legs and feet that can kick a ball, sometimes you just got to go for it. Well, that's nearly it from us for the first podcast of 2014. We have got time, though, to head over for a Germany roundup. It isn't really called Germany roundup. It's Bundesliga. (laughs) Here's Kate Partridge.
4: Hi, everyone. With the Bundesliga's finest now back in training, one transfer story is dominating the sports pages. After months of will-he-won't-he, striker Robert Lewandowski will do a Mario Goetze and quit Dortmund for arch-rivals Bayern Munich. The 25-year-old has signed his prenup, and this June the then-free agent will head to Bavaria for five years. Bayern chairman Karl-Heinz Rummenigge says the pole will strengthen the squad and give us a boost. And they need it. The treble winners are only unbeaten and seven points clear with a game in hand. Hmm, terrible. Lewandowski has netted 65 goals in 115 games for Dortmund, winning two German titles, a Cup and a Super Cup, while bagging four goals against Real Madrid en route to last season's Champions League final, all since arriving from Polish side, Lech Poznan, in July 2010. Yet, it could have been so different. That summer, the pole was due to hold talks with then-Blackburn Rovers boss Sam Allardyce. But Iceland's volcanic ash cloud meant no flight. Two months later, Lewandowski joined Dortmund and Allardyce bought Croatian Nikola Kalinic, who's now banging the goals in for Dnipa dnieper petrovsk in the Ukrainian top flight, and Blackburn later got relegated. Funny old game. Back in the Ruhr, Dortmund are wobbling, fourth and 12 points off top spot. Till June, Lewandowski says, I'll be giving my all. Coach Klopp says, we're not dependent on any one player. And CEO Vatska says, the club will go on. For the sake of the neutral, I'll keep an eye on that volcano.
2: Thank you very much, Kate, and a very happy new year to you. And to you, you and you. That's it for this podcast of 2014, the first one. Uh, Thank you very much both. And we'll be back again next week uh, where we'll be talking all manner of different things. Weird and wonderful, I'm sure.
1: The female take on football.